podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast that is not a podcast podcast. We're still in lockdown, so I'm still rambling into a microphone as if anyone is remotely interested in what I have to say. Uh, now, you might not be that bothered about what comes out of my mouth, but I do try and at least get interesting guests on the show who you want to hear from. And that is certainly the case this week. Because joining me is a sometime pundit, star of the F1 Twitter show, and someone who sleeps with their eyes open. Oh, and they also race cars from time to time. It's Jack Aitken. Jack, how's that for an intro and the second time you've heard it? It's almost as good as it was the first time I heard it. And I have to comment, you couldn't even wait one minute before bringing up the whole sleeping with your eyes open thing. I feel like that's not that uncommon. People are making <laughs> way too big a deal out of this. It probably isn't, to be fair. Um, yeah, you can you can blame your girlfriend for being available for giving away lots of secrets that can be dropped in at any point in this podcast. Uh, so that's just the first of many. <laughs> um, oh but boy, that that intro didn't even mention what it is you actually do. But um, for anyone who doesn't know Jack, uh, if you've been living under a rock, but Jack is the Williams Reserve driver and races for Campos in Formula 2. Uh, and I conned everyone on Twitter that you slid into my DMs saying you like the way I podcast. Uh, but that's because I told you that you have to have a drink on you. Now, do you have a drink on you? I do. And um, I thought I'd go hard for this one, Chris. Um, I, you know, lockdown's taken its toll on all of us. And um, I thought it was time to treat myself. So I went for a Five Guys strawberry milkshake, um, ordered in with Oreo cookie chunks thrown in just for good measure. I admire that a lot because admittedly, while most people I'm, I'm trying to turn into raging alcoholics, not everyone is as um, unhealthy as me. So I've got a, a beer, another bottle of Peroni. It's Friday afternoon. So it's later, it's later Friday afternoon than it should have been. But never How mind. many people have gone for the corona? I mean, uh, it, no one it yet. It must be multiple. No one? Not, uh, not a single corona. Known that. Had, what have we had? Um, we've had? We've had a few different beers, and then Lawrence Barreto went for a whiskey sour, so I had to make a whiskey sour as oh. well. Um, <laughs> and, but most, even, even Zach Brown said he's on a health kick, and he went for water in a bottle. Um, yeah. So, And Pierre Gasly gave away. The secrets of every Red Bull athlete because he had a Red Bull bottle, but it was full of water or some sort of shake. It wasn't Red Bull. Oh, never. I know. It's I not know. actually Red Bull that they're chugging before the race. It's, it's stunning, shocked. isn't it? Um, Outraged, even. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you'd, you'd always be fully on brand, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd drink whatever you're told to drink at any time. Oh, yeah. I'm a complete slave to um sponsors money you, you name it so um yeah rocket energy drinks straight down the hatch on the grid uh come uh what whenever wherever and whenever we start racing again that was an excellent plug that is gonna make uh, jonathan kendrick very happy indeed um now i'm gonna say? get straight stuck into the fan questions because we've had some really good ones on this and basically this i call this a podcast it's not a podcast because as you found out, waiting a whole hour for me to sort of zoom out, um, there's nothing professional about it at all. And I just get fans to do all the work and send in <laughs> questions. And I, I pick the funniest ones. But I give them a shout out. Um, but we're going straight in with the tough Yeah, one. what more do they want? Exactly. The, the fame of the four listeners um, knowing their name. So, yeah, straight in with the tough one because <laughs> we had a bunch uh, on both Twitter and Reddit um, all wanting to talk about Renault. So... Um, mm. a couple of so M, uh, Ms. Lyson and JJW13 um, asking who do they have to bribe? Have Renault been knocking on the door? Uh, basically, they want to know if you're getting the Renault seat, but you left Renault to go to Williams. So, what do you make of that? To, to put it seriously, what do you make of the timing that you've, you've switched teams and now one of the teams you've left has uh, a very obvious vacancy? Now, I have, to, I have to speak carefully here because, um, apart from the obvious reasons, but um, I, for one thing, it's been on my social media a lot, okay? A lot of people have been asking, a lot of people have been commenting. Um, I would like to say, for the most part, I did see something like this coming, um, and I'm not shocked. Um, I'm not shocked that Daniel's left. Um, I think... It's the next move of who they replace him with that is 
more the reason why I'm sort of happy to stick with my guns and say, yeah, well, I saw it coming. I'm just not confident that they're necessarily um, as invested in their junior driver academy as as the junior drivers might hope. Um, I've, I felt like there was less chance of progression there. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of rumours. You probably know more than I do, Chris. You got your ear to the ground. Um, certain Fernando sniffing around. If they were to bring in someone like that, I wouldn't be surprised. They do seem to need a bit of a team leader. And I'd be, you know, thinking, well, what's the point of, of being here? And um, I just see more of a path of a progression with uh, Williams. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say, yeah, I saw it coming. It's all going to turn out fine. So um, it's, it's definitely one that I'm watching with a lot of interest, not just because of my history with Renault, but also as a, as a bit of a fan, it's just an intriguing story, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right to obviously watch it closely because it will either vindicate your decision or make you think, oh, you know, did I read that wrong? But obviously right now it's, you know, no one knows what's coming. It'll be easy with hindsight. Um, but one of the questions that spun off that actually from Kira Luminati uh, was, one that is on quite a few people's lips at the moment, actually, which is during your time with Renault, did you get the impression that they were in it for the long game? Um, so I think with the exception of one or two teams that you would call um, the historical teams like Ferrari, uh, Williams, um, McLaren, you know, those teams that have been on for a long time and, you know, for the foreseeable future, they they will be around because um, mm. that is the re- their reason to be is to be an F1. Um, teams like Renault, a um, bit more, they may say they're in it for the long game. Realistically, that means they're in it for as long as it makes sense for them. Um, and, you know, the world changes pretty rapidly, as we've seen. Um, yeah. I've always felt that, you know, they were committed to F1. They have put a lot of money into it. Um, but they haven't had the success that they've wanted. It's always been something that's been hanging over the team, I think, especially recently. Um, I'm not confident that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the conversation is being had, uh, whether it's worth carrying on, put it that way. And, um, you know, that's not something that's new this year. Um, I think it's been hanging over them for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be... Um, until it's convenient and makes sense for, for the parent company. Sounding very serious with the answers to these questions. I'm sorry, this was meant to be no. conversational, but very serious uh, questions that are being asked. <laughs> exactly. I, was gonna say, I did this to Pierre as well. I was like, it's going to be great fun. You get a drink, it's all relaxed. And then I was like, did you get treated unfairly by Netflix? Um, so <laughs> I, I thought I'd start with the tough ones that a few people had asked, and we definitely do get into You just want people... Up. You want people drinking so they loosen up. That's what it is, I reckon. Yeah, well, yeah, that is like one of the reasons. Full of, uh, sugars coursing through my veins. Yeah, once you get hyper by the end of this, some of the, that's actually where we've got a quick fire round, so don't worry about that. Um, well, then, so it's, I'll start to soften it, and then I'll really soften it. Don't worry. Uh, first, first part, Williams News and Infos. Uh, funny enough, I have a Williams-related question. That is, can you name the biggest differences between Renault and Williams? Have you even had time to be able to do that? Ooh. Um, yeah, not not in full because um, I've uh, spent a fair bit of time at the factory and w- with a lot of the team, but I have not um, been for a race weekend with them. I uh, got up until Friday morning with them at, in Melbourne, and obviously seeing them in operation was something that I was quite looking forward to. I did see, see them in action during winter testing, though, so that was something. Mm. Um, biggest differences. Uh, it's hard because the first thing that springs to mind is actually something that they have in common, which I know is completely not answering the question, but the fact that there is a bit of a family feel to the teams, um, which I really like and value. Um, but in terms of differences, there's a bit of an attitude difference, which is because they're in very different places as teams. I mean, at Renault, it was very much... Um, we are working towards 
quite a, a big and hard goal, which is breaking into the top three. Um, we don't know how long it's going to take, we, uh, but we know it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of time and probably money. And um, that sort of was a bit of a almost, you know, we're in this together and we're going to push on through. Certainly the first couple of years I was there, some frustrations towards the end. Whereas at Williams, um, it's, um, I don't know, Claire's spoken about this a bit in, in interviews. There's almost a bit of an um, underdog attitude now, which um, is almost doing, doing the Williams name down a bit. But, you know, we're coming from a position where it's not been great the last, last few years. Uh, but people are really enthusiastic about getting back up the grid. And when I was taken around the factory and walking around, um, the enthusiasm was, was amazing. <laughs> Uh, really wasn't that caught me off guard uh, but in a really nice way so um yeah it's um that was a nice surprise yeah but it's um it's a cool place i like like heading to grove um now i'm gonna have to yeah really ramp things up now the serious questions are, are starting um uh, so prepare yourself Ooh, okay uh, i know i know you're you're taking this so seriously that you're chilling on the bed right now but you might want to sit on the edge of it because it's going to get tense <laughs> Uh, starting with at Nico Rosbergs, who asks, "Do you have a favourite Pokemon?" Um, I mean, I do, but it's very boring. It's, it's it Pikachu, Charmander. Oh, okay, all right. No, no, it's Charmander. I mean, uh, one of the OGs, you have to say. Um, yeah. I did. I, I even had Pokemon Go on my phone for for a very long time, arguably too long. Uh, some of my friends would say, um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Charmander. Strong. I'll admit, I had Pokemon Go at one stage as well, just for the hell of it. And uh, after an evening in the pub in Hammersmith, um, I won myself five quid by walking down the street to try and find something and catch something. Um, and I was filmed doing it, but I got the fiver, so <laughs> on them. Um, Who's laughing now? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, following on, now I think I've missed a joke here, um, but I think from a, an appearance you've done on the WTF1 podcast recently, this came up. At Nick Eating Pizza asks, what's your favourite dinosaur? I, I mean, this is quite irregular for my um, podcast appearances or uh, interviews. Um, my, my fans know, they know what I'm, what I'm interested in. Um, I quite like, at the moment, because it changes, you know, you, you go through phases. Mm. Um, now I'm going to get the name wrong. And you can't it. Google it because you're having Diplodocus. Ah, I can't. Diplodocus. Yeah. Diplodocus. Diplodocus. Yeah. Damn it. There you go. At least that's how I've yeah. said it. Tommy from WTF1 came up with that one. That, uh, that that really sparked something inside of me. I was like, yes, that is the one. That's. I mean, that's going to have to go onto your helmet design next, isn't it? Instead of a unicorn, you have to have a Diplodocus. Yeah, we'll have to name him or her. Maybe it's her. Oh yeah, exactly. There's Gender so many questions. I mean, Gender neutral name. Though. That's for a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah we'll exactly, do, exactly. We'll do the dinosaur special. Don't worry. Um, so <laughs> the, this one's this is more of an interesting question that came in that was rather than a quite so crazy one from uh, Raging DDC. You'll also enjoy me trying to read out everyone's usernames. Uh, who asks, as a half Korean driver, would you have a future interest in racing under the Korean flag as opposed to the British flag? Now, I thought you had. Uh, short answer. I haven't. Uh, ah. What I have done is um, I've got both of the name stickers on my car. So I've got, so my, uh, my name obviously is <laughs> Jackie. Aitken, so I'm going somewhere with this. My name is Jack Aitken, uh, but I also have a Korean given name um, from my mother's side of the family because she's Korean. That's where my Korean blood comes from, uh, which is Han Se Young. And I have that written in Korean on my car with a South Korean flag. Um, and I also have it stitched onto my race suits. Um, so I always carry both. Um, I do race under an English or British license and have a British passport because that's where I live and where I've grown up. Um, but yeah, I, I would be interested in doing that one day because I feel, um, I, I do feel quite a strong connection to my Korean roots. We've still got family there. Um, I've actually spoken with um, 
some guys who are in CARA, which is K-A-R-A, which is the equivalent of the governing body uh, for motorsport in Korea. And they're really keen to try and get motorsport in Korea um, building a bit more interest because um, with the Hyundai Rally team, there's a bit of an interest there, but not so much for F1. So they're really keen to try and build it and got um, got a lot of time for that. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe. Ah, well, it's funny you mentioned your name, though, in English is Jack Aitken, because a question came in from Here Lies Dick Boy. With oh, great God. Is. Uh, oh, wow, that's strong. Know, what happened to Jack 1 through 7, Ken? 1 through what? <laughs> 1 through 7, Ken. If you're Jack Aitken. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's serious hard-hitting stuff on this yeah. podcast. I, not a I mean, I cannot comment on the whereabouts of of these men these other jacks um, these other jacks yeah we'll send out search parties we'll do all <laughs> yeah. we can for them they're, they're there somewhere just not getting the recognition they deserve um exactly so, so there's another question from dsq that was similar uh, on the career front um which actually brings me to ask you to speak a bit of Korean for us because I know from an interview we did pre-season that you do speak a little bit of Korean. Uh, very little, little bit. Um, shall I? Shall I do a little little introduction in Korean for you? Go for it. Yeah, whatever, you, whatever you're comfortable with. You can say anything you want. Clearly. Annyeonghaseyo, ilumimnida hanseyo. That's. Hi my, hi, my name is Jack Aitken, uh, minus the voice break. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's... Um, yeah, basic break. stuff. Um, no. If you want to say, um, it's, it's nice to meet you, you say, Bangap uh, Samnida. I don't know what other tidbits. Thank you, Gam Samnida. This could turn into a Korean lesson if you want, Chris. Yeah, this is... I'm just going to sit here and have a free... Um, who needs Duolingo when you've got Jack Aitken on the other end of a podcast? I know, yeah. Don't pay for that premium bollocks. I've got you covered. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It screwed the rest of the questions. Right. I want to know how to find my way to... No, I, I've actually never been to Korea. So <laughs> if I ever go, I'll be, I'll be back in touch. I, I would highly recommend. Um, I'm biased, obviously, but it's really, really cool just because it's like a bit of a um it's a blend of what i i love so much about um going to the far east for the first time on racing trips which was it's so, so different it's such a different culture um mm. and i love the food um but it's also still it's still a modern place it, you know technology there is a bit um like uh, I, I it's just on a bit of another level in public places it's hard to describe but like simple stuff like taking the metro or going to the toilet <laughs> it's it's a bit of a new experience um but yeah and the food is amazing recommend the food very highly yeah i'm, I'm keen to go i was always annoyed that the korean grand prix dropped off in 2013 and i did every race from 2014 onwards so i that's one i never got to but um oh, one day bring it back we'll, we'll start that petition later um yeah. We're getting back to the SQ because they've been also waiting on the edge of their seat. Uh, they want to know if you've been in Frank Williams's office yet and seen the infamous Thatcher portrait. I have not. No. Maybe, I mean, maybe one day. I uh, that is definitely on the uh, the list of of things that I sincerely hope one day. You know, fingers crossed. If I have um, to sign a big big fat contract then um, then i'll get to see it so that's motivation that, yeah, that, that's really what you're after someone will say to you at the end of it like how's it not, feel? not the portrait of maggie <laughs> oh oh i know i thought that was exactly where you wanted to go it's not not to drive an f1 car from race driver it was to go and see the maggie I, portrait. yeah no i would agree with that actually <laughs> These perks, these this is the insight I'm looking for on this podcast. Is the the perks mm. the drivers like, and now I now I can see yours. Um, the same user though, DSQ said that they're a big fan of the special white helmet you had last year at Silverstone, uh, which I can also say I was. That was really cool. And that they say not many people know about Scotland's link with the unicorn. 
Yeah, um, people still don't believe me when I tell them that um, the reason I have a unicorn on my helmet is is the national animal of Scotland. It it really is. I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, and I was shocked at first as well, but I have come to accept who I am, and as such, I've incorporated it into my design. Um, but yeah, that that helmet was really fun to do because I've never done a one-off helmet for a race before because it just seems massively um, like self-indulgent. Um, but my lovely helmet sponsor, Stilo, very kindly, um, you know, allowed me to do that and um, had some fun with the design, wanted to do something that stood out and was a bit different. And it actually came out way better than I thought it would. So we've had some chats about helmets, haven't we? Yeah, I'm, I, I've, I got hooked. You might want to rephrase that. Um, I got hooked. <laughs> um, where I, I've basically become one of these people who goes karting enough to not be last every time I go. And as soon as I started beating a few people who had their own gear, I started thinking, I could get my own gear and not look so out of place here. And it's not that I'm good or that I need to do it that regularly. It's just so that I can justify it because I wanted to. So yeah, I, I, got, I bought a helmet about six seven months ago now but i've never raced it because i wanted to get my own design and i even got your opinion didn't i on it over uh pre-season testing yep and you uh, politely... love a good chat about helmets i do yeah <laughs> you, you politely said that you that you thought my helmet looked great yeah that is it's got a nice classic vibe to it I think we're we're moving back. To, this is turning into a helmet design podcast, by the way. Now we're we're switching gears very swiftly on this, oh, <laughs> on this one. Um, but I think we're moving. Yeah, we're moving back towards um, simpler designs from um, from a, uh, the last I don't know five ten years, where things have been getting progressively more and more complex, adding more shapes, more glitter, more this, more that to the design until it's just kind of a a mess on a helmet and you're like mm. okay um, and when you're going at 100 miles an hour it's just a blur of color um back to kind of the old retro style of big stripes big blocks of color um i know i'm saying this and i have a helmet that has lots of intricate geometric designs on it so i'm not one to speak but um that's why i quite like it it's, yeah classic yeah it, yeah it's, i like to think it's different and it's not got too many colors going on one primary color people and two accent colours. That's the, I reckon that's the way to go. That's well. So yeah, I've got only three, uh, technically four colours in total. But it's it's white, oh, disgusting, kind of like a Outrageous. navy blue, red, and a, there's a bit of grey in there, just a shading. Um, but you know that's meant to get finished. I sent this off just before lockdown, and that is meant to be finished this week. Mm. Um, is that so, what the painter told you? Yeah. Um, so it'll be two, two weeks. Well, yeah. So I got, I, I did chase it up. I won't, I won't name, name name names at this stage, but I will promote it when it shows up. Um, I got told it would take You'll about. Write a week. an angry letter to Twitter if you have to. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got, to, I got, I sent it off towards the end of March, and they said that they could do it at the end of March, and it would take about ten days. But then obviously all lockdown happened and everything. And I said that don't worry, not going to get to use it for a little while. Bigger problems to you know for people to think about. So if if you need to take longer, don't worry about mm. it. And they said no, no problem. It was only down for a few extra days, so we'll be starting on it shortly. And then six weeks went by, and I thought I'll just see if there's any update. And basically got told it would be ready in about ten days, which told me that they hadn't started it yet. But um, <laughs> we're starting now because you yeah. reminded us. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a oh god, yeah. But um, yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> that that is a lot of fun. That was actually one of the most fun things I've done in a while is designing your own helmet or getting help. Uh, Miles Murphy at MDM Design says my shout yeah. out. It's nice because it is the only thing that you can customise as a driver. It's quite a personal thing as well. So it's nice to put your own touch on it. Yeah. It's always um, special getting your, your first painted helmet. Yeah, I can't wait. Although all my mates are already um, expecting me to sit and play GT Sport while wearing my helmet because... I'm that sad. And I've, <laughs> I told them I won't do it, but I can't actually make any promises. Um, but <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk serious uh, driving, not gaming right okay. now. Uh, Badois1778 wants to know about your first year in karting. So what it was like to actually starting proper karting and kind of 
the decision to go from let's try karting to let's actually do karting and take it seriously? Yeah. Um, so I got into it when I was seven years old, which is quite young, obviously. Um, but doesn't have to be that young by any means. Um, I got into it because I went to a birthday party which involved karting and I really liked it. So I kept asking my parents to go back. Um, and they said, um, if you pass your exams, which were coming up at the time, we'll take you karting again. Uh, so I did that, took me karting, and then I kept bugging them, kept bugging them. Eventually, um, we were going down to, it was Buckmore Park in Kent. Um, and I was going down for their, yeah, amazing. Um, going down for the like open hire cart sessions that they do. Um, and it got to the point where we were going there so often, it was like, well, we might as well actually just buy a cart because, <laughs> you know, that it's the, the cost return is becoming difficult here. Um, so we got a cart, got my license. Um, all of the instructors were telling me that I was, you know, I'm going to be the next big thing destined for, for greatness. Um, and uh, entered a few races. And it was just for fun, just me and my dad to start with. My dad quickly realized, though, he had no clue what he was doing. Uh, one incident that led to that um, confirmation was he did put me out on a very wet track on slicks. And when I was doing my pirouettes and 360s, um, he was talking to other dads who were also mechanicking, uh, where he discovered that we have more than just one option of tire. We have slicks and we have wets and um yeah from there he put me in a team which is just a, a local uh friendly family friendly team just there to have fun and i had an amazing time pitching up at weekends once or twice a month um when i was on good behavior <laughs> and uh, it would be me and my dad uh the team the other kids in the team um who i became great friends with and still friends with now and um uh, just having a bit of a nice weekend out it wasn't I didn't, it wasn't like a typical sport where, um, I don't know, it was really seen as a really, very competitive thing. It was just such a nice thing to go and do for a weekend. Mm. Um, and that then after a few years, um, when I started to get better, um, the team said, Oh, well, why don't we try this championship, try the British championship, try the European championship. And it, it all starts kicking off then. And yeah, it becomes a bit more serious. Um, but that's basically how it started. Yeah, did you ever feel, was there a point where you suddenly felt like, I am a kart racer? Like, was there a certain point that you were, like, travelling home and it felt yeah, like... Yeah, it, it was, like, after that, after the first birthday party, I was like, I am a kart driver, <laughs> I'm a kart racer. <laughs> and that's why I was so persistent and getting them to take me back for more and more and more. And, um, you know, there are pictures of me getting that that first car and i was so proud of it and it was um it was silver and black uh, gray and black <laughs> and um yeah it was just it was just the best thing ever because i was bad at other sports as well i was pretty small and scrawny as a kid um and i still am as an adult so um wasn't good at football or anything like that but i was good at karting so it's just yeah um completely invested in that um, picture of myself as future Formula One driver, um, but that's what being a kid is about, isn't it? You just dream to yourself on the weekend that you're going to be the next F1 hero, um, and it's only probably about ten years later that it starts to dawn on you whether it might, may or may not be a real possibility. Um, yeah, I think anyone who seriously takes it that seriously from that young an age is probably not having as good a time. So, yeah. I like I like that outlook because yeah you do hear of guys and you see it I seem to remember a Channel Four documentary not that long ago um, and I want to say Seb Morris was in it but there was a bunch of young carters and their parents mm. and it was more about the, the racing dads and the way they treated their kids basically and so yeah. many of these kids were just yeah. like well I just want to spend time with my family or with my dad at the weekend it's a great opportunity to be together whereas the dad's like he's going to make it to F one like he's got to find this bit of pace and and they're taking it so seriously. Yeah. And it's you really have... sad to see because, yeah, well, I, I've done, at the time, I didn't notice it as much um, as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. But having gone back to the casting paddock 
um, since then for driver coaching for uh, I've even dabbled as a mechanic um, not a very good one but <laughs> I have done it um, but you know that you can use slicks or wets right I know that there are two <laughs> different types of tyre I've got that one covered yeah <laughs> um, but yeah it's just kind of heartbreaking to see because um, and I think it's getting worse and I don't know why it's getting worse but um, like you say dads that take it way more seriously than the kid um and sometimes there are kids who take it very seriously and they're very into it and very committed and very serious from a young age and you know fine if that's what they're into and all for it but i just it's a bit i i don't have a solution because in as in all sports if you start earlier you do have a better chance of making it um that's unfortunate though because the earlier you start if you're going to take it seriously it's taking time away from the school kids start being taken out of school early um i just think it's all too much you know you shouldn't have to decide at you know even 13 14 years old let alone 9 10 years old um what you're going to be doing as a as a career that's ridiculous mm. uh, but that's what it's being pushed towards yeah admittedly i, I knew what i wanted to do but that was because I'd learned very quickly that I wasn't good enough to be a professional sportsman or anything. So I worked out the best thing to do was to get paid to watch it. Um, so yeah, I was, I was more the other way instead of being like, yeah, I'm going to chase that dream. I was like, no, I'm not good enough. Um, but yeah, for you, it got serious pretty quickly. And we've got a question from Adam 22 R who wants to know how scary was the first time in a formula car? Um, kind of scary. Um, I mean, I, I have two, two different, um memories one is um the actual first time i drove a single seater car which was at an airfield which has since been refurbished so it is less of a um hole um called blyton park which um i think was like uh, it's yeah it's a disused airfield um mm -hmm. and that was in a formula ford 1600 which was a year older than me uh and i was 16 or 17 at this point um, but it was run by a lovely guy from, uh, from Lightspeed um, and his wife. And um, it was just for me to have a feel of it. And that was actually pretty fun because it was just me at the track. It was an empty airfield. Like, there wasn't a lot that could go wrong. However, my day was ended by a rabbit who ran across the track. Avoiding action didn't, wasn't successful, shall we say. Um, oh. But he had the last laugh because he... Uh, he he bent the rear suspension and we didn't have any spare bits. Uh, so that was day over. <laughs> um, but that was kind of relaxed. It was okay. Um, the next time was not long after that in my first proper test with um, a team in an actual championship, which is Fortec in the Intersteps Championship, which ran Formula BMW cars. Um, and it was at Thruxton, which is advertised as the fastest circuit in britain i think mm. uh, which it probably is um and for that reason a little bit scary um and the car the formula bmw wasn't too bad either it could get up to 140 150 miles an hour um and it also felt like it weighed a ton coming out of a cart where the power to weight ratio is insane this felt mm. like a tank um, but a very very fast tank and that was a bit daunting um because you do have those thoughts of if I go off and I hit something, the the energy involved here is is just outrageous compared to what you're used to in karting. And you know the bits that you're breaking are many multitudes more expensive. Um, so yeah, but after the first couple of runs, again, fine, plain sailing. It's just getting over that that first barrier. Yeah, and dodging more rabbits, I imagine. But um. Uh, that actually yeah, there was a, there's a question from war vortex 55 as well following on from that who says how long does it take for you to adapt to various cars so like the first time you got an f2 car or a gp3 mm -hmm. car or anything like that how long do you feel until you you start feel like you're really starting to push the limits um for me i've always felt fairly comfortable jumping into different stuff um and it's a i mean it's a difficult question to answer because obviously getting used to a car um there's you know just driving it and then there's being on the limit but usually if i'm jumping into something completely new um a morning of testing 
is probably enough to be like 99%, 98% of the car's potential to really understand it. Um, sometimes it's a lot less than that. You know, jumping from the GP3 car, as it was known then, which is now a free car, going from that to the F2 car was one of the easiest things I've ever done. Um, and I'm not sure why. I think it's a combination of, it was Pirelli tires, which are fairly similar. And the GP3 car is actually quite difficult to drive because it is a bit like the Formula BMW, quite heavy, a um, lot of power, but it feels like a, you know, it's very difficult to move around, not nimble at all. And getting into the F2 car felt a bit more like a normal single-seater. Um, that probably took a couple, just a couple of runs of a few laps each. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it depends. But well, I guess you've got experience as well of F1 cars and how long they took to uh, to get used to. Uh, there's a question from Baza Lord. He says, what's the top five racing series series that you'd like to compete in? And says, I'll start you off. Number one is F1, which I'm assuming is correct. Wait, so what, yes. The low F1. <laughs> uh, low end one. Um, well, on my racing bucket list, I have got a few um, different races. And yeah, I probably kick off with, I would like to do the big endurance races, which probably means doing it in... Um, I'd like to do it in prototypes. Um, LMP1 seems to be changing. Um, well, not all the time, but it's going through change now. So I don't know what it's going to be like, but it would be pretty cool to be in a prototype um, X and um, driving that at Le Mans, um, at Sibering, you know, all these really iconic tracks. Um, Petit Le Mans was another one I, I really want to do. Um, so, yeah. Having said that, I'd also like to do the GT3 24-hour races, um, like Spa, uh, Bathurst is a big one. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I'd like to give um, oval racing a go. Um, and I can't. Probably IndyCar is more in my wheelhouse, uh, but NASCAR looks pretty epic as well. Yeah. Just for um, the. I can't get over the the accuracy and precision with which those guys um, position their cars. That I think is absolutely world class. If you watch some of the clips and how they position their cars so that the airflow is tripping over the guy next to them, um, so that they're taking downforce away, um, stuff like that it, at 200 miles an hour in stock cars. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, those are probably. That's not one, um, two, three, four, five, but those are the things that I'd like to give a go. Yeah, I, I'll let you off for not doing it in order because just like anyone else on this <laughs> podcast, I did not give anyone a heads up of any of the questions beforehand, so you had no time to prep a list. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you another similar type of question uh, from Mike Button Fan 96 who I, there's a, there a Button Fan, but 96 suggests Damon Hill. Anyway, um, what's your favourite <laughs> and least favourite circuit? Ooh, um, favorite circuits, um, all in because I, I like different circuits for different things, but all in, it's probably Monza. Um, combination of the history, the fact that you can race on it, the fact that we get different types of weather when we go there. Um, yeah, all of that, and Italy just it's just amazing. Um, my least favorite track, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the least favorite that's a tough one um, Sochi is one that springs to mind just because um, I find it quite a some tracks are really satisfying to nail a lap at and Sochi is not one of those places um, just because of the way the layout is the corners are quite finicky sometimes even the fast corners feel quite tight and you don't have much of an atmosphere in terms of grass gravel um change of scene it's yeah um so probably sochi i'm gonna go with for now yeah fair i'm amazed that 
Carter Drum Catalonia didn't make its way into your favourite list, but never mind. Well, it's just that it's it's on another plane. I I don't think it's fair to compare it to the likes of Monza, Spa, Suzuka, because when you hit that bump going through turn turn three or turn four, I think it's turn three, and you are literally ejected from your cart. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything else in the world can come close to that feeling of, of just flight. That's great, isn't it? The absolute <laughs> fear that you have because well, when you're not wearing gloves and you're not wearing a oh, fire. Oh, it's completely, it's thrilling. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and just, and just the lovely sight of trees just on the outside of certain corners where you're like, if this actually, if I really go off or if I punt someone off here, the thing that will stop if them. If this... 15-year-old rust bucket of a car, let's go, right yeah. now. <laughs> but it yeah, never does, it trouble. just sings, it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's how I know I'm not cut out to be a racing driver, is that uh, Jack laps the kart track near the Spanish Grand Prix circuit about three seconds a lap quicker than I do. So, And that's when he's trying to race with us and slow down so that people stay in his window. But um, uh, I don't know, last time... I. I... You know, I, I was beaten last time. That was Edmonton, wasn't it, Lawrence Edmonton? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be in that race, but a certain Philip Horton punted me <laughs> off at a hairpin. Uh, not that we're making any accusations. No. We're not going to sully this, this clean-cut podcast with uh, that kind of talk, but... No, yeah, Philip, what were you doing, mate? It was it was fact. Um, so yeah, I was fact. I was out. Of, it was not, I was nowhere near that race, and uh, yeah, two of you had a great old scrap. next time. Uh, yeah, yeah, next time. Well, whenever that's the first first thing I'm doing when we get back to Spain is going karting, uh, which is all I do every time we go there. To be honest, I sometimes work, but rarely. Uh, anyway, speaking more of tracks, another great <laughs> username, Hoopala. Uh, asks, uh, with all the talk of two races on the same tracks to make up for lost races, some have suggested running races in reverse layouts, which probably can't happen because of safety standards, but which track do you think has a good reverse layout to race on? Mm. I've got to really think about this one now. This is, um, this would have been a great question to prepare for now. Um, (laughs) What what races are we actually going to go to? I'm just thinking through. We've got probably Red Bull Ring. Um, I don't think that would be that good in reverse. Um, we've got Silverstone. Magnus and Beckett's would be interesting in reverse, but Cops wouldn't be as good. Um, yeah. It would be, yeah, the, the exit opens out better the way it goes at the moment. No, it's better, it's better the way it is. Um, Spa, maybe. They did a Red Bull show backwards down Eau Rouge, and that looked pretty cool. Um, and starting the lap with um, after the bus stop, that fast run down to the uh, the southern end of the circuit, that would be pretty cool. Maybe Spa um, or no Suzuka. It's got to be Suzuka coming yeah. downhill through the S's. Yeah, that would be epic. That, That's exactly that. what I think Suzuka. as well. All over that, we're we're yeah. going to start lobbying. I think uh, Honda to make that happen. Because I feel mm. like the layout as well largely allows it. Most most of the corners, one thirty R is a problem. I was going to say that'd be the big one, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be no probably scary though if you did it as it was. That'd be quite quite fun. Yeah, make it a challenge again. <laughs> and don't forget, you'd be getting there at lower speed because you come out the chicane. Um, yeah, so it wouldn't be that big a deal even. And De- Degna oh, one spoon would be good backwards, big big entry speed. Yeah, and there's all the runoff you need there. So that all works. Yeah. Oh, the hairpin might be a, a hell of a braking zone after all that. Um, it would, yeah. But yeah, that would be a great one. I'm with you. That's a good Excellent. one. That's a good one. Very good choice. Um, I'm going to start to rattle, rattle through a few. I can't speak um, because we've got, some, <laughs> we've got some great ones in here that um, we're sort of starting to edge towards the quick fire finale. Uh, CJ Train Ooh. wants to know, okay. have you got to know Mahiva Raganathan and what's he like? Um, I got to know him all too well at times last year. Um, I'm sure he's a great lad, as are all of the people on, on the racing grid. Um, but I have... I had some questions for him at points last year and I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fair enough. And I didn't place these questions next to each other, but uh, <laughs> mate 
asks, who was the best driver you raced against? <laughs> the goats. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best driver I've raced against. Oh, God. Um, I enjoyed my year in 2016 racing in GP3 because I thought, as a whole, the grid was very strong. Um, my teammate, Jake Dennis, was strong. ART had four pretty competitive guys. Um, but the one who, who won the championship now at Ferrari, Charles, he was pretty damn quick. Um, he wasn't without fault, um, but he was pretty impressive. And I also raced him in Formula Renault. Um, he guested in a couple of Euro Cup races, and he was very quick then as well. Although, uh, you know, humble brag, I did beat him, you know, just, just saying. A couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, no, no big deal. Is that the sound of Renault phoning? Uh, <laughs> just drop that in. Ferrari will be on the phone. McLaren, everyone. Yeah, Carlos is uh, tweeting that no, his contract's been terminated. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm staying loyal. My Good. heart's blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautifully done. Um, <laughs> oh god i'm a pr pr disaster waiting to happen <laughs> <laughs> waiting um so the next <laughs> from colonia spzl i'm moving on for you uh who wants to know if you follow any other sports as a fan uh i follow a lot of sports um if they're on wheels um anything to do with racing um, two wheels, four wheels. Um, yeah, me and my brother are usually watching it on TV. Uh, other than that, I watch uh, I watch football just because my family watch it, um, and I have a bit of a interest, but, but I'm not religious about it. Um, and I'll turn on anything really if it's if it's interesting. Um, you know, when the Olympics roll around, I get into that like everyone else. Um, golf, my dad watches a lot of golf, so I end up watching it too. I'm not sure I'm in, I would say I'm enjoying it though. So yeah, <laughs> full range. I, I love all sport and watch all sport, but I will admit golf, unless it's the majors and it's basically the final day, I really struggle to get into it. Uh, I like playing it, but yeah, watching golf, yeah. I do with it a little bit. Um, so, got two more normalish ones, and then it's on to the quickfire round to wrap it up. So, the first one of those is from okay. TSmart36, who asks, will you occasionally, on maybe on your off weeks, although I don't know if you get an off week now, you're at Williams, uh, be in the booth commentating with Crofty and Martin again, like you were at Suzuka FP2 last year? They say, they add at the end of this, he was quite good, IMO. So, there's a compliment, quite <laughs> good. Oh, well, thank you. Um... Yeah, potentially. I mean, um, I like to think I get on with the guys at Sky relatively well. And they did say I'm, I'm welcome back at almost any time. So maybe I'll just go and knock on the door when we get up and running again and uh, invite myself in. But um, I don't know how isolation, social distancing, distancing is going to work. So, you know, we'll see on that one. Plus, I guess you're going to have to be available in, in the Williams garage as a reserve. Or close to it. Yes. Yeah. Standing standing by. Um, not at all, you know, making myself in the way. <laughs> Sipping some tea. Well, to be fair, actually, it, it might work out well for you to be uh, co-commentator, pundit for Sky as Williams Reserve. Because that worked out for Paul Resta at Hungary a couple of years ago. When Felipe Massa fell ill. I, I need to manufacture more of those situations, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'll just I'll keep reminding you these moments, and you can just take them and run with them, and it'll all work out beautifully. I'll credit you in my my biography when I release it in a few years after all the successes set. Okay, do I not do do I not get to ghostwrite it? Um. Well, okay, yeah, but we weren't supposed to say that on the podcast, Chris. No, it's fine. Now I've got it recorded. Uh, yeah, that'll stand up in court. That's fine. Uh, anyway, moving <laughs> on. 
Og125 asks, what race in your career are you most proud of? And the flip side, what race are you least proud of? Oh, wow. Hard hitting. Um, most proud of... Um, there's probably a couple of contenders. Um, going back a few years, 2015, um, the last weekend of the championship, I came in, I think, seven or eight points back from the lead in third place. And um, it was wet for the first couple of races. It was a triple header weekend. And I, if I may say so myself, I, I smashed it. Um, I had one of my best drives ever, I think. Um, and I was, I think, started on the safety car and the safety car actually aquaplaned off the circuit in front of my eyes um, at turn four at Haref. That was a sight to see. And then I swiftly followed him and just about kept it going through the gravel. Um, when we did get underway, I was... I think over a second a lap quicker, nearly every lap um, from the guy, whoever was in second place for the rest of the race. And that was, was really a flow. That was good. Um, and then the other contender would be my race at Silverstone last year, um, race two, because that was in front of a home crowd. And I won with a pretty fun pass. And the pace was good. It just, it was that nice mix of, coming back through the field from a from not pole position you didn't just win uh from lights to flag you know you had to work for it it, it, it was good so what would i go for I'd probably go for um i think um driving in the wet one in 2015 was better um as a oh, performance i thought silverstone yeah, would get the nod just because you had to be interviewed by me at the end well yeah it was just uh it was it was an epic day um for all of that even the pre-race prep was on point um but for a performance i think it has the nod has to go to the euro cup race fair enough uh and on the flip side the least the race uh, the least uh yeah um the race i'm least proud of uh it's a hard one because i think as as um, a competitive person, any race that you're not really happy with, you just tend to um, try and move on as quickly as possible because there's not a lot to be gained from from stewing about it. Um, I've had plenty of races where I was like, where I wasn't uh, as quick as I wanted to be, or I didn't make the right decisions, and um, that's just really that's like the worst feeling in the world when you're just pounding around you you're not you're not quick you're not feeling it um and you're just trying to make the best out of it, it sucks but actually the worst experience that would have to be something where i've sort of actively effed up and i'm trying to think <laughs> when I've, that would be i've um, got an example I, I actually have one you've got one for me okay yeah. go on uh it was the end of last season it was abu dhabi uh, it was, I believe, the oh, what night would it have been? The Monday or Tuesday night after the race, and it was the Yas Cart Zone at the Yas Marina Circuit. And your girlfriend's leading. I remember it well. Great start, yes. and you get caught up in a fight with Christian Lungard. You're trying to outbreak each other yeah. into the hairpin, and don't pay attention yeah. to the head and completely T-bone and spin your girlfriend out of the lead. I uh, I can only apologise to the fans, um, to my team, to my girlfriend, to, to myself. Um, it was just an absolutely shocking display of of lack of uh, awareness, lack of control. You know, I think Christian will will agree with me on this point that we were well in over our heads, and the win should have gone to Alex, but. Um, you know, we can we can only apologise. Can't turn back the clocks, uh, but that's gonna uh, that's gonna haunt me for the rest of my days. 
what was beautiful about that was the fact you were apologizing during the crash because as soon as you made contact both your wheels <laughs> came off very well and went up in front of you an apology as alex turned around to face you and be like what's just happened which i thought was great because also <laughs> got more concentration i got to drive past both of you um yeah, yeah I, I mean that should be actually that should be apology enough alex um who is glaring at me now um <laughs> You know, I gave up precious seconds to out extend my hand in apology and like uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, just sadness. So I was like, oh, yeah, what have I done? And, and I let Chris pass. That's like the ultimate sacrifice, if you ask me. She's shaking her head. Okay. <laughs> well, moving you on. Have, moving on. You might be able to redeem yourself uh, in the. Well, we're going to do some quick fire funny questions to finish with. So get okay. ready for me. I'm flying out. Uh, the first one is from Humble Gap, who says, who is your favorite team principal and why is it Gunter Steiner? <laughs> well, uh, Clara's side, obviously. Uh, Gunter Steiner, because he is extending my vocabulary of the English language and he's not even an English native speaker. Great so answer. Gunter. Uh, Carl Agathon asks... Would you rather fight one Toto Wolf-sized Bernie Eccleston or 100 Bernie-sized Toto Wolves? I mean, one Toto-sized Bernie would be terrifying. So let's go with 100 uh, Bernie-sized Totos. I think, yeah, I actually can uh, agree with that. Uh, next one is Alex Thompson, who wants to know, what are you getting me for my birthday? Um, no comment. Good. S smart. Uh, in valid <laughs> Do you like cheese? I love cheese. Strong. Uh, favorite cheese? Uh, I'm loving a bit of Gouda at the moment. I've got some in the fridge at home. Snuck. Hard hitting stuff. Uh, <laughs> Shockox111 says, What is your favorite type of door and why? Ooh, oh, God. Um, I. I like the, um, I don't, I'm sure this is not the name for it. And, you know, I, I will stand corrected on social media if someone wants to um, at me, as, as the kids say. Uh, but I like the cowboy doors, you know, the ones that are split in half, um, where you can like... Um, saloon doors. You can have saloon doors. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it, yeah. And you can... You push through and you feel like a cowboy, like a badass, like from the films that you watched as a kid. And, um, they do the swinging back and forth as you go through and you kind of stand there in a hero's pose as they're still swinging behind you. Sets the scene, you know. You've you got to enter a room with intention, I think. Um, yeah. Um, and that, the saloon that. doors are a great, great way to do that. Excellent choice. Very impressed with that. Uh, Mihaif7 asks, what's your favourite movie? Um, I would say Cool Runnings um, for for a really long time, um, and that's what I said when FT asked me this question. But then I couldn't remember the actual famous quote for the film, so I've now been stripped of that. Uh, I cannot say that's my favourite film anymore, according to social media. Um, so instead, I'm going to say Le Mans with um, Steve McQueen, um, which is a really cool film. Um, that is very cool. pretty old now, I think. Mm. Very old. Mm. Classic. But, yeah, still, still legendary. Uh, and Harry Eyre asks, which is better, the American office or the British one? American. I'm, I'm sorry, Britain. You, you have to admit, admit when you're uh, defeated. And uh, I'm, you know, in the interest of comedy as a whole, America wins this one. So. Um, yeah, like Jess and I are very much watching that at the moment, and I previously swore by the British one, and she's not seen that yet. But I have to admit mm. that the American one is starting to worm its way in. But I still don't think I would yeah. publicly say that that's better. I think I'd still say the British one, even if I didn't believe it. So it was it was all going so well. But Patriotism for you. Oh, it's it's just such a shame that we'll have to end it that way, but. Never mind. Uh, Jack, thanks very much for your time and joining in all the fun. Uh, I'm sure it was massively enlightening no for many problem. people. And now your girlfriend, Alex, knows your favourite type of door. So there's that. <laughs> Who knows what she'll do with that information? 
you know, well, tune um, in uh, on my social media channels to find out next time that there won't be a next time online, but you know, oh. follow me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to plug those, your social media channels? It's at Jakenracer, Jakenracer um, on all my channels. So come along for, for more um, completely nonsensical chat. Sounds good because that's basically all this last hour has been. Um, I'm going to go and set up uh, Jakekin, but J1 to 7kin channels that are just going to be parodies of you. Uh, and until then, <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. So this has been the podcast that's not a podcast podcast. Uh, for more episodes, you can check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Podbean and most other podcast platforms where the likes of Lando Norris, Pierre Gasly and Zach Brown have been on the show, but not talking as much nonsense as Jack. Uh, plus a lot of, load of other cool and really interesting guys from guys and girls actually from within F1 who have some great stories to tell. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. And if you didn't, never mind. It's all over now. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.